Welcome to Compass and Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is John Reinmuth. After John retired, he started Wellspring Financial Planners, which is a registered investment advisor firm in Washington. His mission is to help people find financial wholeness in their lives at any stage, especially in transitions, from married to widowhood, from working to retirement. John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm pleased to be here with you today. Great. So John, today you and I are going to talk about how you took what your vision of retirement was and how you interpreted and made it happen for yourself and part of the new way of retirement trend, you know, starting your own business in retire, retirement years and feeling fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to jump right in and say, um, John, did you always have this present vision for your retirement? Well, actually, I didn't have that vision at all. Um, I knew that when I retired at 62, I was still in good health. And so I could could anticipate maybe another 24, 25 years of some kind of productive life. My wife and I purchased a vacant lot here in Gig Harbor, and we had a, a house built, and then we landscaped it. And so then I was beginning to say, well, what do I want to do next? I knew that I needed to have a significant purpose, a meaningful purpose for my life. Now, as a pastor, I oftentimes found myself in a teaching role. And one of the things that I had done during those years is develop a, a seminar, uh, an eight-hour one that took much of a weekend, to help people look through and identify their own purpose for life, both before retirement and after retirement. So that was one of the things I wanted to continue to do, to offer that kind of a, a seminar. But I was still wondering if there was something more. So it, it just evolved. So in, in your past um, career life, you were a pastor and you helped counsel and guide people. And now you're in the financial world. So what was the trigger that made you want to serve others with their financial wholeness in your retirement years, if that wasn't your original vision? Well, uh, I kind of want to pick up something from a book by the name of Malcolm Gladwell, who about 20 years ago wrote a book entitled The Tipping Point, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference. And in that book, he talks about how certain things just kind of evolve over a period of time. But when you look back, you can see here was a crucial moment that seemed to make a difference. And for me, I think it was taking to heart that, that seminar I was leading other people in and what to do for their lives. I mean, certainly one of my purposes was teaching that course but I I was looking for something more. And I realized that I'd often seen people dealing with the financial struggles in their lives. 
I'd seen uh, people uh, wishing that they had prepared earlier, uh, trying to make ends meet after a spouse died. And I knew that I had uh, over 40 years of personal investment experience. So that was important. I was bringing that personal experience to the table. And I certainly had a strong interest in helping others. So uh, I felt like there was something there that made a difference for me. And so I tested it out by taking a one course as part of a five series of classes, significant college classes, for training to become a certified financial planner. I really like the concept of cer certified financial planners. You have to serve as a fiduciary, always keeping your clients interest foremost in whatever you do. So I took the first course, enjoyed it, did well in it, decided to take the others, and then I learned, oh, I have to pass a national exam that took 10 hours over two days. So, you know, I studied like mad and stressed out a little bit, took the core <laughs> class and I passed it. Then I found out, oh, I still can't call myself a certified financial planner. I need to have three years of full-time equivalent experience doing planning for people. And by this time, I'm now right around 70, and I'm saying, golly, um, I don't think I want to work for somebody else because I don't ever want to sell a product. I don't want to sell insurance. I don't want to have things on commission. I want to always put the client first. So I decided I was going to start my own company, Wellspring Financial Planners, PLLC. <laughs> and that's what I did. So wow. I officially opened that business in May of 2015. Okay. So at that point, were you 70 then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just barely turned 70. Okay. Well, kudos to you. Um, so now you've been serving others through Wellspring Financial Planners for about six years. And did you find it difficult to launch a business from the ground up, you know, in your late 60s, early 70s? And tell us about some of the challenges you might have um, faced and overcome. Well, I don't think the challenges were necessarily related to my age. It's simply the process of the steep learning curve when you start a new business, and especially if it's in a you know, field of, of work that you've never been involved in before. I already mentioned I'd been an investor for 40 years, but I had no work experience you know, in financial services at all. So some of those steep learning curves involved a lot of regulation. I'm, I'm regulated by the Washington State Department of Financial Institutions. <laughs> that, that by itself just kind of sounds intimidating. You know, the same things as like credit unions, the banks, you know, major investment firms, all and insurance companies, all these kind of things because I needed to become what's called a registered investment advisor in the state of Washington. And that involved uh, putting together a, what turned out to be a 12 page document that had to fit exact rules that I need to file online that can be accessed anywhere in the United States on the FINRA website. Now FINRA is the National Industry National Regulatory Authority. They're the ones that, that um, monitor people like Charles Schwab and Fidelity and Vanguard and all those kind of things. And here there's little old me needing to follow some of their rules. So I worked through that. I mean, going online and doing those things was really intimidating. But after I started, like 
especially people who are doing a business that's going to be operating pretty much by themselves, you're wearing all these different hats. I needed to be the compliance officer with all those regulations. I, I needed to develop a marketing plan. So I had to have somebody develop my website for me and a logo. I took some classes from SCORE, which is for small companies that uh, nonprofit. And out of that, I hired a business coach to help me. I joined the uh, Gig Harbor Chamber of Commerce to network with other small businesses. I joined Aging Smart, professional group that you're part of and how we met, uh, which is professionals working with those who are senior age. I have to do all my own record keeping. I write my own blogs. I present, develop and present seminars. And now that uh, we've had COVID, I've learned how to do them as webinars. And I've also had to learn how to work remotely. I didn't want to do it, but COVID pushed me that direction. And I found it actually is quite helpful to me because now I can help people anywhere in the state of Washington. They don't have to worry about, gee, it takes too long to get to John's office. So I, it's not easy, but you know, it's the same challenge as anybody faces. Well, as a small business owner and being the owner and the only employee, um, I can attest to what you're saying. We wear many hats Yes. and we do all the um, job responsibilities for the business even down to the most minute detail. Right, yeah. So um, who is your ideal client then that you like to work with to help make their lives better? Well, it's something you kind of mentioned, I think, in the introduction. Working with people who are in major life transitions. As I look back, you know, on how I, I got started, it, they really kind of fall into three different kind of categories. Mm -hmm. There are those people who have just married or remarried because that's that's an important decision making point for them financially if it's a young couple they're trying to, to kind of set the financial foundations that are going to be important for the rest of their lives if it's couples remarrying now you're bringing together assets from two different households you're trying to figure out how you're going to blend them or, or what you're going to keep separate you got to figure out how you're going to pay for your current expenses so there's a lot of things that, that go into working with a, a couple just getting started. Then there are people that I'm gonna say they're primarily in their 50s and early 60s, 10 to 15 years from retirement, because it's about this time that people say, well, I kind of got my kids through school or they're off in the military, they got their job, whatever it is. I gotta think about my retirement. <laughs> so then they're looking at, am I gonna be ready for it? And so we develop some things. I take them through a process, starting with determining what their own retirement budget uh, can be, also accounting for some kind of one-time major expenses or things that have happened early in retirement, deciding when to take Social Security because that can make a difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars over their lifetime. And then looking at all those things and saying, well, am I on the track or do I need to start saving more? And then those who've uh, lost a spouse, either because of death or divorce. And I realized that divorce maybe can be just as traumatic or more so than when a spouse dies. Um, you're always dealing with some major financial issues at that time. If it's, if it's a divorce, now you're trying to support two different households. If it's a death, you're actually finding your sources of income are shrinking because 
you're only going to be able to get one social security benefit, either your own retirement or as a survivor benefit from your spouse. You're going to have to learn to manage the finances if it's not something that you've done before. Maybe your spouse was the primary one. So early on, I developed a, a seminar, now a webinar, uh, Finances After My Spouse Dies, in which I kind of look at some major things that go on there in terms of that transition and what they can do. And so I you know, have some materials available that I'd be glad to make available uh, you know, at some particular time later that we're probably going to talk about. Sure, we will definitely, at the end of our um, session together, we'll, I'll ask you for some, um, your website address and everything and sure. people can access you. So you, there's basically about four different groups that you mentioned, um, everybody going through some type of transition in their life. And one of them that you mentioned were um, widows and widowers. So do you have some advice for widows and widowers that have lost their spouse? Yeah, well, part of it's my own personal experience, <laughs> having lost my first wife in 2013. But here's some of the things I would tell them. One of them is you've got to, you've got to cover your own needs first. You know, really do some self-care. And that includes your emotional, physical, social, and, and spiritual health. Take time to grieve. You know, don't be in a hurry to just dive in and take care of all the administrative details. Get plenty of rest. Plenty of exercise. Uh, invite friends to help you with some of these things. You don't have to do it all yourself. And especially don't try to tackle all of the to-do things at once. If you were to go online and Google in for a search, you know, tasks I need to do after my spouse dies, you could easily go find some websites and blogs, etc., that are going to give you maybe 30 or 40 different kind of tasks. Wow. You know, that can just overwhelm you, kind of blow you out of the water. So that's why I developed that in-person seminar called Finances After My Spouse Dies. Because what I've done is taken this myriad of tasks and broke, breaking it, excuse me, broken it down into three kind of time frames to look at what needs to happen when so you can just focus on a few things at a time. There's what you need to do that first month, because there's some just critical things there. Things that can wait till months two to four. And then finally, things that need to happen sometime over the first year. So people have told me it's really helpful to be able to see that and to kind of be able to check them off. Okay, I got that one done. Now I can think about the next one. So that, that's the basics of the seminar, uh, particularly don't fret right away over medical bills. You need to wait until your insurer and Medicare is going to pay whatever they can. You need to know that it's, you have 180 days to pay medical bills before it has any impact on your credit rating. And then know that you can negotiate your medical bills and typically negotiate down about 50% or more. From... Um the tips that you're sharing with us are any of these um, self-taught, you know, you went through this yourself, you, you became a widow in 2013. And so is some of this personal experience too. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Some is that, you know, some I just try to do more research, you know, because everybody's situation is a little bit different, but yeah, my, my personal experience has a lot to say about it. Yeah. 
I just wanted to ask you that because um, that that's what people want to hear. You know, they want to learn from somebody that actually walked that road too. Um, that you're not just reciting things that you know you've Googled right. online, etc. That you know right. this is heartfelt, genuine, um, good information to help yeah. them along. You know, as they take the steps on their own. And, and because I've had that experience, I mean, it's, I really have a passion for that right now. It's not the majority of my clients, but when I have an opportunity to do it, I, I want to do that. And sometimes that means uh, eliminating part or all of my fees just to make it available. So we just talked about um, folks that were widows and widowers, and you did mention four groups of people. How about going to the opposite end of the spectrum and um, what tips do you have for people that are younger that are in their 40s and 50s? Okay, they're younger than retirement days, but they're presumably they're well into their lifespan and middle-aged. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things I would tell them, no matter what age, this could be earlier too, you need to have, know where your money is going. You can't control something if you don't know what's happening to it. Uh, in some ways, I often use the phrase, the devil's in the details. Uh, most people can tell you how much their mortgage payment is, is and, and their escrow thing. They can tell you about how much it costs for utilities, you know, what their car insurance and house insurance and life insurance are, you know, those kind of things. But Everything else is kind of, I don't know, I just making ballpark guesses. So what I tell people is you need to, at any stage of your life, to really start to gain some control. Uh, take at least a three month period of time to keep detailed record of where basically each dollar is going. That's gonna give you some insights in what you can do, because oftentimes you find money kind of slips through your fingers like sand, you know, at the beach. And if you know where it's going, you can maybe make some decisions to redirect some. So in this case, if you're in your 40s and 50s, you can really get serious about funding retirement. Great advice. So um, then moving on from that, I would say, you know, uh, you need to start planning for major events in life, you know, before they happen. And the thing that they still have available in their 40s and 50s is they have some time, you know. So whether it means you can start saving more, you can start putting together plans for uh, long-term care and buying long-term care insurance in your 40s and 50s is so much more affordable. So I kind of learned some of those things by my own personal experience again, but it's just some of those advices that I'd give. Now's the time to think about the future. Great advice. Um, it's always good to think ahead. So. I'm going to go backwards just a bit and um, ask you, because this wasn't your original retirement plan. You reinvented your retirement and, you know, now you're Wellspring financial planners. So tell us just a little bit about who was the first person or first two people that you helped and how did that all come about once you were on this course? Well, as it turns out, the first two people I helped were both widows. I had taken the training uh, for a certified financial planner, but I hadn't started my own business. So they were both helped uh, free of charge. The first one I helped was a widow who was a friend in a group to which I belonged, who was really facing some major financial challenges. Uh, 
her husband had been military, but because it was a second marriage, et cetera, when, when he died, there was no military pension. And she was going to lose one of their two uh, Social Security benefits, because as I mentioned, you can only get one at a time. So happened that his survivor benefit was going to pay her more than her own work would uh, produce for her. And fortunately, because her husband had been military, she qualified for, for TRICARE, which is a tremendously beneficial thing for people in retirement for their medical expenses. So we were able to take the time to develop a specific budget for her. We needed to face some challenges where she had some expenses she just had to be able to get off the table. And then she had a, a modest-sized IRA that I could help her better invest in. So now 10 years later, she's doing well. And the right. second one I helped was a widow. When I was a guest speaker at her church in Port Orchard, her husband had died one month earlier. She was really worried because she learned that the survivor annuity she was going to get through his work wasn't going to be coming this current month. It was going to take a while to do the paperwork. So she's going to go a full month with no income while having a mortgage payment to make and all these other expenses. So she asked me if I could help her. I did. So we met and we started by making a list of all of her medical bills, all of her regular expenses and that sort of thing. And then we looked at it and said, okay, you're going to have a month with no income. What are things that we can just kind of move from here over to there till we can pay next month? Because next month you're going to get two uh, annuity payments. You can pick up those. So we did that. And then she looked at it and says, I don't need two cars, so I can sell one of them to help pay some of the medical bills that had built up. And then we put together a, a realistic ongoing budget for her, what she was going to need, you know, for the next year or so. And when we did that, still allowing, you know, some time for some leisure activities and, and miscellaneous expenses, she was still about $1,000 short of what she was going to need from the survivor annuity. So I said, well, you, you've got a generous life insurance proceed. What you can do is just save for the next 12 months, I'm going to take $1,000 a month from that proceed, we'll invest the rest of it, but you're just gonna draw that down by $12,000, most of it's still gonna be left, and then at the end of that time, you're gonna be eligible for Social Security, which is gonna be a little bit more than your deficit, and so from that point on, you can be in good shape, and if you have a, a major expense come up, you can always draw from those proceeds in, in the life insurance. So she said, oh, that is so good, and, and her worry just quickly dissipated. So. Both of those gave me a great deal of satisfaction. And it was a great learning experience for you, too, that, you know, you could take um, the time to work with those two widows, help them see the fruition that it came to, that, you know, everything's moving along as you had planned with them, and they're financially healthy right now and doing well. So we only have a couple of minutes left, so I want to um, ask you one more question, if I may, and that is you're in your 70s, you embarked on a new career later in life, and you're happily remarried. So how do you create a balance between work and personal life? Are you completely a workaholic, or do you have a good balance there? Well, I hope that I'm accurate when I say I've tried to build in balance. From the very beginning, I never intended to try to work those 60-hour weeks or more that it typically takes 
when you're starting a business. I had adequate retirement income, so I wasn't desperate to, to gain more income. I could take my time. It took me a little longer to, to, to put the whole thing together, but that was okay. I'm blessed to have remarried since my late wife died, and my new wife is one who was already very active volunteering in the community, so she had things that kept her busy most weekdays, and so what we decided was that we were free to each one pursue those separate directions during the day, but make sure we're always together at night and on weekends, which is what we did. And then we also said, we're going to take time for vacations. It's not going to be this 52 a week kind of a thing, uh, a year working. So we built in to, to take at least three or four good sized vacations each year. Now, before the pandemic, I had already decided to cut from, from about 30 to 35 hours down to just working four days, about seven hours each day, because I felt like we needed to have more time for ourselves that then my business was allowing me. And uh, then when the pandemic came, I just kind of moved my office into the house. So we were able to connect more. And now I'm, I'm planning on just working out of my home going forward in the future. And I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that over the next 14 months, we already have planned and much, most of it paid for four major vacations that we're gonna take. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that the way that it all played out was based on communication. Communication is so key in yes. a healthy relationship, whether it be a marriage, a, um, a job, um, friendship, etc. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. And we do need to say goodbye, but I just want to thank you for sharing your personal story and educating folks that their retirement years can be whatever they want them to be. And so for our listeners, John, can you please tell them what's the best way to connect with you so you can provide them with some of those great tip sheets you were talking about earlier and the tools that you spoke about? Do you have a website you want to share? There are two key ways. One of them is by, by sending me an email to john at wf P-P-L-A-N, that's Wellspring Financial Planners plus plan, just the initials, W-F-P-P-L-A-N.com. And then tell me you want to connect with me to get resources. Uh, one of them would be this uh, handout that I have for finances after your spouse dies, but I have other resources. And you can call me 253-353-353. 3033 253 3033 or you can go to my full website, wellspringfinancialplanners.com. So there's three different ways. Fantastic. And I'll make sure to put that information with the podcast. So until next week, folks, take care and thanks for listening. Have a great day, John. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye now. Bye.